Welcome to Cincy Reformed. I'm Pastor Brandon. Today I would like to bring our attention to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. And in Proverbs 12, 25, in the ESV, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. The New King James Version puts it like this, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. It's interesting to, as you know, as we think about, there's so much in our society, in our day and age. We have elections coming around. We have um, new uh, strands of COVID. There's uh, different schools that have shut down. There's just un- uncertainty as we turn on the news, as we go about our daily lives. And there are so many questions that we have, and uh, it's so easy to succumb to kind of this, this, this anxious feeling because we see it everywhere. And uh, the more that we're on social media, the more that we tune in to the news, uh, the more our anxiety tends to go up. And this proverb is interesting. You know, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down or causes depression. But a good word makes him glad. Now, there is a kind of a shallow way that you could read this. You know, you could read this proverb and think, well, you know, if I'm worried, it'll cause depression. But if I just say a good word, if I just uh, say kind of a kind of a shallow, I hope you do better, or a shallow. Well, look on the bright side, and we have these kind of pithy statements, and uh, and then we can perhaps think that you know all we need to do is some say some pithy, shallow, good thing, and then all of a sudden it'll cure all of our anxieties, it'll cure all of our depressions, and I don't think that that's what this proverb is teaching. One commentator put it like this: They said, whereas anxiety knocks a person out of commission. The personal and kind, pleasant and sweet, timely and thoughtful word restores him with encouragement and hope. But as we think about what is that that timely, personal word that brings hope? You know, what is that? What can lift us? out of kind of feeling the weight of all of the turmoil around us, wildfires, diseases, um, crime rates, various things, um, political, what can maybe lift us out and begin to focus us in a more hopeful posture as that commentator was, was speaking about? Well, it's interesting that, you know, that, that, that phrase here in the Hebrew this uh, good word that makes the person glad, there's a similar Hebrew construct, uh, nearly identical, in Psalm 45.1. Psalm 45.1 begins by saying, My heart overflows with a good word. Some translations will, will, will render it, My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. 
Uh, but again, in, in the Hebrew there, identical with Proverbs 12.25. So I'll go ahead and read Psalm 45, 1-6, to and then we'll just kind of hone in on those six verses. Uh, we could do more, but I'm just going to kind of hone in there. But Psalm 45.1-6 uh, says, My heart overflows with the good word. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a, is a scepter of uprightness. So interesting um, psalm here. This is what's called uh, a messianic psalm, a psalm of the... Uh, speaking about the Messiah, speaking about uh, about Christ, and I think that as we as we think about this good word that brings hope, um, what what uh, what word can bring hope except that climactic word found in Christ? And j just to note a few things about Psalm forty-five in verse four. It speaks about in your, in your majesty, ride out victoriously. And that reminds us, doesn't it, that Christ gets the victory. Christ was victorious on the cross. He defeated sin, Satan, death. And it reminds us of the, of the future where Christ will come back. And we read about this in Revelation 19. And he will be on this white horse with his robe and his sword, and he will ride out victoriously, and he will conquer all of the enemies, all of the wicked king, kings and the wicked kingdoms, and all of the unbelievers, and he will gather up his people and protect his people and love his people and wipe away all the tears from his people while he punishes all of the enemies. He will put all of the world back to the way it is supposed to be. He will make all things new, and that he will bring new creation in a climactic form. And so, as we're thinking about that good word that begins to lift our anxieties, that good word about Christ, and he is victorious, and he will be victorious, and we will see his victory. And we will shout uh, joys, and we will uh, shout louder than any football game. You know, as, as we think about, you know, we're coming into football season, and as your team wins, everybody's shouting, and the stands are going crazy. But just think, as Christ returns on that white horse, and we see every single enemy slayed, as we see, see every demonic force destroyed, and as we see him love and shepherd and gather up his people, we will shout even more.
we will shout. It, it will be a victorious shout uh, because it, I mean it will be it will be a climactic shout. It, it 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 will be so joyful to see Christ finally victorious. He was victorious already, but we live in this kind of already not yet. He has already defeated Satan, but yet not finally defeated him, where he sends him to the second death. He has he has conquered uh, sin and, and defeated it, but yet sin still uh, plagues us in the church. But one day, all of that will climactically be, be uh, destroyed and condemned and put aside. And so one of, one of, the, one of the, the, the key elements of this good word is that Christ is victorious. Continuing in verse 4 of Psalm 45, it says, in your, So in your majesty ride out victoriously, and then it says, For the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Now those are so antithetical to what we see around us in our day, isn't it? In our day, we see lies, false things being propagated. We see, instead of meekness, we see pride. Pride everywhere. Everyone wants to be prideful. Everyone wants to be arrogant. Everyone wants to boast. Everyone wants to be self-centered and exalt themselves and have pride about sin and so on. And it's in our faces. And we go to the store and we see displays about being prideful. But Christ is riding out victorious for the cause of truth, for the cause of meekness, and for the cause of righteousness. We see unrighteousness all around us, don't we? A whole world of unrighteousness. Even in ourselves, we see that propensity toward unrighteousness, toward pridefulness, self-centeredness, toward falsehood. But Christ has defeated that for us. Christ has defeated that in us, and he's continuing to defeat that in us. And one day he will ride victorious for the cause of truth, the cause of meekness, the cause of, of righteousness. And so, friends, as we, you know, we turn on the news or we go out into, into the world and we're, we're confronted with things that are so antithetical to what Christ is about, we can rest assured that one day all of those lies will be seen as lies. The truth will be heralded, the truth will be known, the truth will be loved, and all the people that exalted themselves will be seen for what they are. But the meek will inherit the earth. And as we enter the new heavens and the new earth, Peter tells us in Second Peter that only righteousness dwells there. We will see no unrighteousness on the new heavens and the new earth. There will be no unrighteousness. Only righteousness dwells. Only that which is good and just and right and perfect will be on the new heavens and new earth. Christ is victorious. We will see that. We will be there. We can hope in that. In verse 5 of Psalm 45, Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Another just great reminder that all the wicked will be gone. You know, we're, we're seeing wickedness all around us and sin and Satan and natural disasters and 
just the effects of the fall, and, and, and we're grieved by all, by all of this. But just a great, great reminder that all of that will fail. All of that will fall. And sometimes it looks big. It looks like, oh man, the wicked are, are all around, and, and they're very smart, and they have a lot of technology, and they're really good at, at, at hurting the church, and they're really good at um, hurting Christians, and, and how can we succeed? And, and we begin to, to wonder if the forces are too much. And while the forces might be too much for us on a human scale, they're not too much for God. You know, I always think about that vision Elisha got when, you know, the army, the enemy armies looked so massive. And he thought, woe is me. The enemy is much greater than, than what we have. And then God gave him that vision where he was able to see not only the earthly armies, but he was able to see the heavenly armies. He was able to see the angels and the seraphim and cherubim and all the heavenly hosts ready to wage war, ready to, to join the battle, ready to, to, to win it. And um, so even, even as the enemies look massive, even as technology might look like it's in their favor, even while it looks like it, all things are hopeless for the church, Things are not hopeless for the church because, verse 5, your enemies are sharp and the heart of, of the king's enemies, the people falls under you. And so all the enemies will be destroyed. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church and Christ will be victorious. Verse 6, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your, of your kingdom is the scepter of uprightness. He sits on an everlasting throne. His kingdom will have no end. There is no earthly kingdom, no how great, no how powerful, that can overcome the heavenly kingdom. The heavenly kingdom will reign, and every earthly kingdom will be shattered. And Christ will establish his, his reign. And we will see that. And we will shout... Uh, shouts of victory and joy, and we will see him ride through in his white horse, ready to conquer, ready to be ready to protect his church. And so, friends, you know, as we're thinking about that proverb twelve twenty five about anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. That's not a shallow word that just makes it glad, but it is a word of hope. And the word of hope is the word of Christ. Christ, who is the word, the climactic word, who came and died for our sins, who conquered death by rising again from the dead, who ascended into heaven. And he's not just up there waiting. He's up there interceding for us. He sees everything happening. He's actively praying for us. He's actively um moving and directing through his spirit all around the world. He's in charge of all of the angelic hosts to do his will and do his bidding. And he is the cosmic mover and shaker. He is in control of the planets. He is in control of the cosmos and the galaxies. He's in control of even the, the tiniest molecule. And he's going to bend the cosmos to serve the church, because Christ is head of the church. So as the 
the current events of the world and the, just the effects of the fall and things that we see around us, as that brings anxieties, as that brings depression and weighs us down, there's this weight upon us. And I think that we feel that weight, don't we? We feel, we feel the, the being weighed down by so many cares from from all around. I mean, I just turned on the the news and it was from wildfires to deadly mosquitoes to world wars to new covid strands to lockdowns to political stuff that's going um crazy and and it's like from every side you feel weighed down. You feel you feel the anxiety. And we don't want to minimize that and act like, well, all you have to do is think about Jesus and it all goes away. No, there's real effect there, and it can really debilitate us, and it can really weigh us down. But at some point, we need to put our eyes to where our hope comes from. And our hope comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We need to put our eyes to Christ who is victorious, and we need to have hope again knowing that one day we will we will see Christ we will see him reign victorious we will shout joys louder than any football game so friends let us turn our attention to the climactic word tuning into the bible more than we are tuning into the current events around us even though they're important even though we need to be up to breast and we need to be you know, good citizens and so on we need to know how to care for our neighbor uh, vote accordingly etc etc we need to make sure that we're rooted and grounded more in the word more in prayer than we are in the current events even as important as they are let us be people of the book people of the word people who hope in christ even when everything's failing. And not only does you know Psalm 45 help us, but even the next psalm, Psalm 46, where the psalmist is describing the end of the world, and he's seeing mountains fall into the sea. And what does he say? He says that he is secure, that, that God is a very near help for him, that he's not going to fear that, That he's going to keep his eyes on Christ even as the world around him collapses. And he's going to be okay. And so friends, I want to encourage us today that as we feel the, the weight being weighed down, let us turn our eyes to Christ and have hope. Amen.